Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Alrighty, Penn State fans, it's the Blue White Breakdown with another special guest appearance from the one and only Doug Lamarice, Cleveland.com, columnist extraordinaire, just took in Ohio State, Michigan. We're going to talk to him about that. Dave Jones, Bob Flounders. Guys, why don't we just start with uh, both scenarios for both Penn State and Ohio State? You guys can have at it. Well, I will just say very quickly off the top, Ohio State might make the playoff, which just is like I did not think was as possible as the committee made it sound uh, on Tuesday night. So if USC loses, I think Ohio State probably makes the playoff. And so I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that's certainly where they are with the door they opened. So, you know, if Ohio State makes the playoff, they're not going to the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, Ohio State would make the playoff because they got one loss. That's basically the only reason. Am I wrong there? Because they got one loss and they have more panache, cachet than USC with one loss, right? That's basically it. If, if you were judging teams based on who you thought was going to win, like a better like you've got to put up $100,000 of your own money. <laughs> Wouldn't you pick both Alabama and Tennessee of, uh, ahead of Ohio State at this point? Well, not Tennessee without Hooker. Not Tennessee without Hooker. Oh, that's right. That's right. Without Hooker. Okay. Okay. But I always say, I mean, if we go down that road, that's a very dangerous road to go down because you can back yourself <laughs> into. What? You mean the road of the truth? The road of like Florida State looks really dangerous right now. Who would win on a neutral field? But they have, you know, well, they have a bunch it, of losses. What, what so it is is the road of the SEC being considerably better than the Big Ten, period. And then if either Ohio State or Michigan had to – or Penn State had to go through an entire season of the SEC, they would all have two or three losses, minimum. I don't know that I agree with that. I do think that the middle of the Big Ten I, – I, I think Penn State's good, and I do think sometimes – at least out here in the rest of Big Ten land, I think you can take Penn State for granted. But I do think when you look at Penn State, it's like I I think Penn State's ranking is real. And I do think once you get beneath, you know, I don't know, how good is LSU? How good is South Carolina? How good is Kentucky? How good is Old Miss? You know, I think that's a that's there's a lot of questions in that discussion. But I do think in the end with like the playoff thing with Ohio State is I like on conference championship weekend when you can win your way in. I don't like that you can lose your way out. And so Ohio State in 2014 won its way in. And that's been the history of the playoff, save for Bama getting in in 2017. But even that's comparable to what could happen here. But that was more complicated and more understandable. So I just think in the end, if they think that Ohio State would go ahead of USC, they should have had Ohio State for 
and USC five right now. And then you say USC has to win its way in. If USC wins, it's in. The idea that USC earns the right to go to a conference championship game, and if you lose there, you're now out while Ohio State is home, I sort of think is bad for the sport. And it's, But I expected linear logical thinking from the committee, and that was my fault for expecting Well, that. it's linear logical thinking from this system. Until we get 12 teams, and by the way, the Rose Bowl is an impediment to that now, the final roadblock to a 12-team tournament, they're again in the way, which they've been in the in the way of a reasonable playoff system all the way back decades, 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 the Rose Bowl Tournament of Roses. They're still acting completely arrogant about who they are, and they're this, this far from being irrelevant because the, the playoff committee people are like, look, you don't want to be with us. You lose your stipulation of having to have the 445 time slot you know, we'll try to work with you. We'll usually give it to you. But if you don't get it, you don't get it. You want to be you want to be in this or not. And now the Rose Bowl is trying to use that as a stipulation. The Rose Bowl is a pain in the ass. You guys say the A word on your pod. That's good. OK. And, and so is the fact that if we don't get to a 12 team system and don't have conference champions as automatic, then what is this system? Conference champions should be automatic bids into the tournament. Then we wouldn't have this problem. Then we wouldn't have a, a problem with uh, the at-larges will be the at-large. But, but this is the, the, the worst problem of the whole system. If, if you can have like a Penn State in 2016 as a conference champion who's not in it, that's just stupid. Yeah. And again, like in 2016, I thought Penn State should have been ahead of Ohio State. Ohio State was number two in the next to last rankings that week and then got in as number three. So at least like they were sitting at home and got in, but they were already in and they stayed in. Now they would be sitting at home, not be in, and then get in by sitting at home. I do think that's just a difference. And I'm not saying that the Rose Bowl as a stadium should be demolished, but I'm just saying if it was, would we all be better off? <laughs> and, and and I love the Rose Bowl game. I just tweeted this out with, with Heather Denich's, uh uh, latest news about how the le- yesterday about how the Rose Bowls and in, in, in the, the last impediment to the twelve team playoff because they want to keep their four forty five time slot. You know, I love the Rose Bowl game. I hate the tournament of roses committee. They have been an impediment to reason in this sport forever. And I love the Rose Bowl game, but these people they seem to think that they're. I almost said grandfathered in which would be ironic, but to relevance. And they are not. They are on the verge of irrelevance right now because the Pac-12 is in the middle of complete dismantlement. And the entire linchpin of the Rose Bowl is that Big Ten, even though it's been interrupted with the tournament, that Big Ten Pac-12 meeting. That was the attraction of it to begin with. That is gone with USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten. And they seem to think they're still special. They're not special. Anyway, getting back to Bob's point about whether, and and he made it before we went on, is Penn State closing the gap on Ohio State? I think maybe part of what he is seeing, and I think Bob will say that he thinks this is happening. I don't think Penn State's closing the gap. I think Ohio State identified a liability and a weakness that we have been seeing this year and last that is bringing them back down to Penn State. Your thoughts, based on the Michigan game especially. Bob, 
Why do you think Penn State is? I want to hear the give me the Penn State side of it before I address the Ohio yeah. State side. There, of it. there are two things that stick out to me moving forward, and what based on what I've seen, like Dave said, is Ohio State. You know that that offense, the defense might not, might have gotten better, but that offense is 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 pretty one dimensional, and uh, I just think that that is is something that they can't they're, they're going to have to address. The other thing is, and I'll I'll say it for the thousandth thousandth time. When Drew Aller gets his uh, feet on the ground, I think this is going to be a much more dangerous Penn State offense uh, than we've seen for the last, I don't know, five or six years. And a versatile offense. A versatile offense in in comparison to Ohio State. They have a quarterback. They're going to have a quarterback at some point, if you believe in Drew, that can make plays in the fourth quarter and win games. I don't think they've been able to do that, especially against Ohio State. So I do think Ohio State is sort of being attacked on both flanks right now. And this is the ultimate Ohio State conversation that we've been having for several years, which is, do you have to be one kind of team to win on the national level and a different kind of team to win in the Big Ten? And I think a lot of people would say, Michigan is exploiting that dichotomy that Ohio State has become too much the team that's trying to throw to beat Clemson and Alabama at the highest level, and now they are not the team that can handle Michigan in its own backyard. But then you bring up Drew Aller, and to me, Drew Aller and what Penn State has done over the years with skill guys, right? Because Penn State has always had better skill guys than Michigan. Show me the Michigan list of Saquon Barkley and Chris Godwin and Mike Gusecki and Miles Sanders and everybody else, Michigan would kill for a list of skill guys like that. But Penn State hasn't had the quarterback. Now you drop in the quarterback, plus you're going to have Nick Singleton, plus I think you're always going to have pretty good guys catching the ball. And that, to me, looks more like what Ohio State is trying to be. So now Penn State is getting closer to being like Ohio State while Michigan is beating Ohio State by being the opposite of Ohio State. And all of a sudden, we did a series in the offseason leading into this year about kings of the north. The thing about Ohio State is they've been the dominant power in the north, and that has allowed them to go out into the rest of the world, which is dominated by the SEC. Now they're up in the tower in the north, and they got Michigan on one side. Michigan's toppled the tower. Michigan has overrun the castle. But now Penn State's coming up the other side with a different plan of attack that looks very similar to Ohio State. Now, what if they start doing it? And now, by the way, here comes USC in two years. So it is a very interesting spot for Ohio State. The team that they wound up being this year, I thought they needed to be a team to throw to win because their run game wasn't working, because they had injuries at running back, right? They kind of weren't who they wanted to be. The 2019 Ohio State that J.K. Dobbins ran for 2,000 yards in 2019, they still want to be that. So I don't think that they've abandoned the run game, but it wasn't good enough this year in these circumstances. But down the line, but they do have to get back to that a little bit more, I think, I think for sure. But also, again, like the Penn State, the Drew Aller thing is, is real, but that's not – J.J. McCarthy played well Saturday. That's not why people think – Michigan gained on Ohio State because they got a quarterback. They think it for other reasons, but Penn State might do it because they got a quarterback. I, I, I honestly, I honestly think that Ohio State just isn't as good at scrimmage as they think they are on either side of the ball. And the first time I really saw it after was was Penn State, and then I saw it again at Northwestern. That horrific twenty-one to seven game. The left side of Ohio State's offensive line was getting punched back by Northwestern on a third one and one in a fourth and one play. 
And you can say, oh, it was bad weather and it was windy. It was windy. But when was the last time you heard Woody Hayes say, I am, we couldn't play because it was windy? It was windy and cold and it was Uh-oh. rainy too. You know? Uh oh. I was wondering, can we, can we not, mo- note the moment when Woody Hayes' name was first invoked on this podcast <laughs> in an Ohio State toughness discussion? Oh, well, Go ahead. Oh, I don't. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, Doug. If you've got a problem, you come come ahead. Come ahead. Let's hear it. Ohio State is not good enough at scrimmage. I I don't think their offensive line. They've got a, a five star left guard, a five star left tackle. Where were they? Where are they? They they should be dominant, and they are not. Mike Morris didn't even play in this game. Mike Morris didn't play in this game. Now, I know Travion Henderson was gone. They were down to their, their third or fourth string back. Hey, so was Michigan, and they made it work. They, they had Donovan Edwards, but they, they no, were no, not. No, 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 no. Donovan Edwards is not their fourth string back. Donovan Edwards was by far the best running back in that game, and Ohio State maybe should have him on the roster. That, uh, just as a point of fact, Donovan Edwards is very good. Uh, all right, all right. But, but, but on the other side of the ball, Michigan was carving holes in the second half of that Ohio State defense that they had been doing all year. And that is the root of what Michigan is. And Ohio State does not have that. Would you agree to that? So, I mean, it, it is difficult. It's, it's an interesting conversation because, as you said, offensive line, five-star, five-star. The left tackle is going to be Paris Johnson Jr. is going to be like a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, right? The defensive line, all three of the defensive ends they play are five-star guys. But I do think a lot of what they do is more geared to the passing game, right? But that's also the hard part of it because their problem last year was they couldn't pass protect against Michigan, right? That was the real issue is like, hey, their their tackles were getting beat by Aiden Hutchinson. Another offensive line problem. You know, another problem at scrimmage. Guys, real quick. Doug, you mentioned something I thought that was really – the 2019 Ohio State team had a mobile quarterback, Justin Fields. They've gotten away with C.J. Stroud – they, you know exactly where he's going to be. You, you, he, he's never a threat to, to run. If he wanted to run, he could get a lot of yards. And he doesn't want to run the ball. I think having a one-dimensional quarterback in terms of just a pure thrower, it makes it harder on Ohio State's running game. And it also makes it harder on their pass protection because the guy never leaves the pocket. What would you say to that? So I always say that C.J. Stroud is dangerous behind the line of scrimmage. And the moment he crosses the line of scrimmage, he's not dangerous anymore. Right. So... That is who he is. That was who Dwayne Haskins was, right? That was, and then Justin Fields in between, as we are seeing in the NFL, was a much different style of quarterback. I do think, you know, but again, we're coming out of an era where Ohio State under Urban Meyer, JT Barrett and Braxton Miller, and, you know, even under Jim Trestle, you know, Terrell Pryor and, and Troy Smith under Jim Trestle, they, Troy Smith wasn't a running quarterback. He, he could move. He was more of a runner early in his career. So that idea of more of a pocket passer, I always said it's like CJ Stroud's greatest physical attribute is his brain but then you've got to diagnose you've got to pick guys apart you've got to hit every throw and a lot of times he does we had that discussion on Buckeye talk this week I don't think CJ Stroud should have run more that's just not who he is no we need a quarterback who can run a little bit as well but as they think as they think next would they say we just want a little bit more of an athlete at quarterback not to for the called run game but just to take stuff was there Key thing early, Ohio State's up seven to three. They drive again. They get held to a field goal. The third, I think it's about third and eight in the red zone. Michigan dropped eight. Ohio State only had three guys in the route. They had eight guys covering three. There's nobody open, and he's not going to run because he's not going to get it. 
I don't think it was like, oh, he should have run and gotten. It's like this quarterback's not going to get that. And by the way, they got to C.J. Stroud late in the recruiting process because they had locked in on a different guy, a quarterback. C.J. Stroud kind of saved them. So it also wasn't necessarily a master plan of we identified C.J. Stroud two years out in recruiting. It was like he was kind of left at the end of that process, a little bit of a late riser, late bloomer. They took a second quarterback in that class. Now, the next guy maybe – is going to move a little better. But in this day and age, we see it in the NFL now too. Would you prefer, I think CJ, CJ Stroud, his comparison is Joe Burrow. He talks about Joe Burrow a lot. But Joe Burrow actually like ran a decent amount at LSU. And when he when Joe Burrow was at Ohio State, he was a, he's a better athlete than CJ. He can run more. Peyton, like this, like the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady model for CJ Stroud. Boom, boom, boom. Your brain's a computer. You diagnose and th- make accurate throws. But that's not where the game is. It's not. So does Ryan Day need to be more open in recruiting to a little bit more athletic mobile quarterback? I think that is a very logical question to ask and perhaps a logical conclusion to draw. I think that the key here is versatility. That's what we're talking about. And Bob said it. They've become like a one-trick pony, a one-dimensional offense at Ohio State. And Penn State is trending in the other direction. They, they, but, but I got to ask you this, Bob: Is Drew Aller any more of that guy who can run and will run, and you want to run? I think he's willing to run, but, but is that an asset well, because he's not exactly fleet of foot? Willingness to run is 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 an underrated part of the game because I, I, I mean, what the last two Ohio State Penn State games I saw. C.J. Stroud could have run in these in both of those games and picked up yards, and he just stood back there. And you know, thank God he had Harrison, and thank God he had uh, the receivers he had last year. But I mean, there's times in the game where you have to take the easy yards. I think Drew Aller will do that two or three times in a game. I never saw C.J. Stroud do that, and I just thought I don't know if he was stubborn. I don't know if he didn't want to get hit. But if the yards are there, you got to take them, especially against a good defense, two or three times a game. And I just think the upgrade in arm talent Penn State's going to have, uh, if you believe in Drew, is really going to change, I think, the dynamics of their offense. And, and another another point of that Mi- Michigan-Ohio State game, possibly the most important play in the game, it's 24-20, it's third and goal at the three. Would Could you ever have imagined C.J. Stroud running that keeper that J.J. McCarthy ran? Not in a billion years would he have would they have called that, and that was a Shrone Moore call. I thought maybe it was an audible by McCarthy, but I, I made a couple of calls, Bob, and that was a that was a Shrone Moore call because they believed in JJ McCarthy making it, and he lowered his shoulder and rammed Ronnie Hickman and got over the goal line. I don't think you see CJ Stroud making that play. Maybe Drew Aller because he's big enough. I don't know, Doug. <laughs> so. Ohio State had running quarterbacks for uh, my whole tenure here. And by the end, in 2016, when they had JT Barrett, who was carrying it 20 times a game and was a tough SOB and had a big lower body and was like a fullback trying to tackle, and they went to the Fiesta Bowl and got shut out by Clemson 31-0, that's the opposite extreme, though. It's the opposite extreme. You don't want that. But either. also, but I, like arguably, like JT Barrett, like, like when he left, was like maybe the greatest quarterback in Ohio State history. It was statistically. No, he wasn't. But everybody thought that. No, he wasn't. Everybody thought they don't throw it well enough. That's all Urban Meyer said. Like all in 2016, they didn't throw it well enough, and that's why Ryan Day came here because they needed to throw it better. So now they're throwing it 
as well as anybody in the country. And now we're asking why their quarterback doesn't run a three yard (laughs) keeper on third and three. Like what's wrong with this program? I'm not expecting him to do it, but I'm just saying it's an asset for Michigan to have McCarthy available to do it. That's all. That's all. It's versatility. But also, J.J. McCarthy threw for like 187 yards a game or whatever, like the whole year until they needed him. You didn't know if J.J. McCarthy could throw the way that he threw against Ohio State because they didn't ask him to do it. And I don't know if it's that they didn't know. If- I could have hit those against that cover zero. I could have hit those throws against that cover zero. I mean, that, that was a tactical mistake. I mean, it's like everybody, we had this discussion and it was like, well, what do you want? It's like, oh, you, well, you want Caleb Williams. Like well, everybody wants Caleb Williams. Like what? Like yes. Like you want a guy who can throw for five hundred yards and also run it in on third down from the three yard line. You want a guy who can do everything. But I do think in this day and age, when the first goal for Ohio State is to beat Michigan, but when they were beating Michigan every year, seventeen and two over nineteen years, when you're beating them, nobody says, "Ah, that's good enough. It's okay if we get shut out by Clemson. That's fine. We beat Michigan. That's not where the Ohio State fan base was. So then you thought, we got to throw to win national championships because that became the new standard at Ohio State. You've got to throw. So you want to balance. You want both. But I think it was very reasonable to say, well, which way are you going to lean? Well, we got to throw it. We have to throw it. Now, if the quarterback's also mobile, great. But we have to throw it to be elite. And now – in a year where their top three running backs all were hurt, they didn't run it as well as they needed to. They didn't. They didn't. And that was a year-long issue. Does it mean they can't ever get back to the kind of run? Pat- but the other thing is they threw it for 70 yards fewer per game this year. They tried to run it. They ran it all the time. They just didn't run it well, which is why I said, stop running it. You're not going to run it well. So give up. Throw it. Now, ideally, if you have J.K. Dobbins or if you have like a guy like that, if you have Blake Corum – then you can do that. So will a slightly more mobile quarterback be good? Yeah, I think that would be good. I do think Ohio State still throwing the ball with a good physical running back is still their ultimate plan. And I do think what J.K. Dobbins did in 2019, I, they want to get back to that. And they just, they just, Trayvon Henderson ran for 1,250 yards last year as a true freshman. They want a lead back who does stuff. They got in a weird spot with it this year. And that's when the lack of mobility by the quarterback showed up more. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we've chewed this to death. Let's get to the bring Penn State into this and how they are hamstrung. Penn State. Well, they're they're pretty much waiting for the Rose Bowl to make their decision on which they might do, uh, shooing Ohio State in in one way, and also in, in if Ohio State gets into the tournament because USC loses to Utah, Penn State is really beholden to whatever the the Rose Bowl wants to do on one side and what the college playoff wants to do with Ohio State on the other side. Do you feel as if Ohio State is going in 
to the Rose Bowl if that's if that's their slot if they end up uh, as as the team that should be in or do you think the Rose Bowl will pick somebody else simply because they're sick of Ohio State? Yeah, I think Ohio State would maybe be okay with not going to the Rose Bowl. It's funny that there was a time with Ohio State <laughs> where, like, they had not been like Urban Meyer coached his last game in the Rose Bowl. He had never coached in the Rose Bowl before, right? When Ohio State went to the Rose Bowl uh, at the end of the 2009 season, that was like a huge deal for Ohio State because they hadn't been in the Rose Bowl in forever. But now they were Rose Bowl the end of the 18 season and Rose Bowl the end of the 21 season. I'm trying to think, like, if Utah wins, right? If Utah wins. Utah's going to the Rose Bowl, and I don't think they'd want an Ohio State-Utah rematch. But if Utah wins, Ohio State's probably going to the playoff because they're in ahead of USC. And if Utah doesn't win and USC goes to the playoff and Ohio State doesn't, then I don't think the Rose Bowl is picking four-loss Utah. So it wouldn't be – so the idea of a rematch probably is not on the table. I do think it would be quite possible that Ohio State would be fine going somewhere else and the Rose Bowl would be fine with Penn State because I do think you're getting two things here that would – drive down the possibility of Ohio State fans flocking to Southern California, right? Because you want to make money. You want a big crowd. One is they just were there. And two is they are very, very sad right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like, hey, guys, we lost to Michigan. Want to go to the Rose Bowl? I don't know that that's the conversation that everybody's (laughs) going to be having around the Christmas table in Ohio this year. So I think it might make sense for Penn State to go to the Rose Bowl. And Herbie said that last night on the show. He said, I could very easily see Penn State in the Rose Bowl under that scenario, Uh, simply because could you have imagined a time when the Rose, oh God, we got to go to the Rose Bowl, when, when this would happen? Could you have imagined Woody Hayes saying, let's not go to the Rose Bowl? I know you want to say it. Just say it. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I got I got one line for that. When, <laughs> when you're going to fight in the North Atlantic, you train in the North Atlantic. Can you imagine Woody Hayes saying, oh, it's, it's, we can't throw the ball. It's too windy. We, you know, they're, they're, we, didn't you hear that like crazy after that Northwestern game? That people, all these Ohio State fans making excuses for that game. Because oh, it's so rainy and windy. When when has that been a talking point at Ohio State? That see that's a, that's a sign that they have to get back to a, a, a medium, a, a happy medium, a run and pass, and not one or the other. And it was Barrett, and they were running him eighteen times a game. That was wrong. Now the Stroud, the Stroud won't run, and that's wrong. Somewhere in between, and fix that offensive line because I don't care how many stars they got, they're not all that great. They're just not. Anyway, Penn State talk about the Rose Bowl. Bob, I think you wanted to go in some direction about this. Well, I first of all, I just wanted to say to Doug that it's pretty clear to me that Kirk Herbstreet is the greatest quarterback in Ohio State history. Uh, and That's you my should, bad. You should, you should know better. Just watch the tape. Uh, Sorry. I just, I just wanted to for, – for the Penn State fans out there, if, if everyone who's supposed to win wins championship game weekend – so that means, you know, Michigan beats Purdue, uh, TCU wins, USC wins. Um, you guys covered it, but th- th- you guys think there is a very, there's a very real chance that Ohio State might still not wind up in the Rose Bowl, right? I think it's possible. I don't think it would be assured because as the Rose Bowl and, and Ohio State had those discussions, I could imagine people saying like, well, you know what? It just might be nice for something different and our fans can go to South Florida or whatever. I think would it be the Orange Bowl maybe then for Ohio State? And then when it comes down to brass tacks, there might other be, be other people in the room who are like, what? 
like back to Dave Jones people in the room. What? We're not turning down a Rose Bowl invite. We're going to the stinking Rose Bowl. I don't care how many times in a row it was. So, so I, I don't know that you would know. I don't know that you would know for sure. But I think the door would be open to Penn State going to the. Uh, Rose it's Bowl not sure. exactly a super imaginative Penn State offense the last month of the year either. I mean, I, if you're a Penn State fan, uh, there's some money involved to go to the Rose Bowl after you got whacked by Michigan. You lost to Ohio State at home. And the offense, I, I wouldn't really describe, describe this Penn State team. It's not built around its, its dynamic offense. It's, still, it's built around a very deep defense and two talented freshman running backs. But is it going to be an exciting game if Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl and plays somebody that's decent? Uh, do, you, do you know why we have no idea what's going to happen? I want to read you, and, and at the risk of glazing everyone's go. eyes over, just hang with me until you <laughs> realize how convoluted this Rose Bowl dictum on who they will pick. Okay, it's four paragraphs. So I'm just warning you. Get some coffee. Should a team from the Big Ten or Pac-12 be selected to go to the college football playoff, the Tournament of Roses will traditionally select the next highest CFP-ranked team from that conference. There is, however, a caveat to that clause in the contract. If the next highest ranked team in a cluster, this is in quotations, by the way, a cluster of teams, meaning there is another team or teams from the same conference ranked within several spots of each other, the Tournament of Roses will select the team from that cluster that will result in the best possible matchup for the Rose Bowl game, which means this, this, this. In a, in a cluster situation, this is their wording, in a cluster situation, the Tournament of Roses will take into account factors in no particular order, as such as the last time a team played in the Rose Bowl game, head-to-head -head results, regular season schedule, overall record, opponents played, past playoff, or bowl appearances and performance and historical matchups. Could this be, who, which corporation wrote this? Could it be more convoluted? You know, they the Rose Bowl Tournament of Roses Committee still believes they are so relevant in college football. And I said, I think they're on the verge of being just kicked out because the playoff doesn't care. They'll have this game in Jerry World. If, if they can't, they'll have an extra game in Jerry World or some dome stadium. They do not give a damn about the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is on the verge of being irrelevant because of, of USC and US, UCLA coming to the Big Ten. They have no idea how irrelevant they could be. I like the idea. How about Penn State with the rematch that everybody wants to see? against Michael Penix. You rematch the 2020 <laughs> Penn State-Indiana game. Michael Penix is throwing for 370 yards a game for Washington. I mean, I'm not on the Tournament of Roses committee, but I can imagine the discussion in that room. You can't turn down Penix versus Penn State too, right? So I think that's what you get. It would be three. They broke him three. in half last year in a shutout. Oh, at oh. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Three. Oh, but the, the rubber match. Oh, oh my god! They almost yeah. ruined his career last year. Oh, now he wants revenge. I forgot about that. Oh, guys, I, I can. The stories are writing themselves. For your sake, for you two, <laughs> I hope you guys get Penix, Penn State three. <laughs> hey, real quick, um, how excited are you guys uh, to watch Purdue and Michigan in the Big Ten title game on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> I'm more excited than I was to watch Michigan Iowa last year. So at least it's better than that. <laughs> Speaking of rematches, titillating yeah. rematches, yeah. I do think it's, it's when you think about the Pac-12, the thing about it is like, right, if, if the Pens, if if the Big Ten 
had done what the Pac-12 did this year, which is like, oh, cool, we're changing all kinds of stuff. No more divisions. We're taking the top two teams. We'd be doing Ohio State-Michigan 2 on Saturday. And then, like, what would that be? Would that be better, worse, weirder, <laughs> cooler? Like, as as, we, as weird it is, it, it's like, oh, Purdue, like, three lost Purdue, barely won the West. It's like, so if it was the two best teams, what would that be? It, my head would be exploding, but I don't know how everybody would feel about it. I think Ohio State fans would say, well, we'll take it. We'll take the opportunity to get them back. But it also, I mean, it changes everything about what happened this past Saturday. If all of a sudden you're doing it again a week later. So, you know, and that's that's the world that we've been talking about. A lot. Like a version of that world is coming, right? Because they're going to go division list. There's going to be a 12-team playoff. We're entering a world where where Big Ten teams could play each other three times in a year. Whether it's Ohio State and Michigan or Ohio State and Penn State, you play in the regular season. You're the two best teams. You play again in the Big Ten Championship, and you both make the playoff, and you face each other again in a quarterfinal. Like, that's the world that is coming now. And again, it's different. I don't know where it fits on the good, bad, cool, weird meter. Yeah, I want to get to this, Doug. Like, jam it in at the end. I know we don't have much time left, but we haven't even gotten to rule and fickle all of a sudden in the West. The, the the divisionless Big Ten is not absolutely written in stone. It's probable, but it's not written in stone. They're going to go with divisions again next year, and then who knows in 2024. But does Matt rule all of a sudden at Nebraska, which I think, I don't know what Bob you think, and Bob will have an opinion on it. I think it's, I I think it's the best possible hire for them. And then Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, which certainly was the best possible hire for them and kind of a shocker. Does that upgrade the West enough with the addition of UCLA and UC, US, well, USC that you could kick Purdue over to the East and keep divisions simply because it, it, I think the rising tide lifts all boats and those two coaches are really good. And you add them to Bielema, maybe, maybe there's a chance that the whole division com, becomes competitive. Your thoughts? I think that's not impossible. I think USC is the biggest part of that, right? That you'd have a top dog in the opposite division, which is what you haven't had. But then if you think about Wisconsin and Nebraska as as the next best guys there, you know, both those programs, one was getting stale and one was imploding. And then you, like you said, those are two really good hires for that. And the 16-team Big Ten is going to have five coaches who have coached in a national championship game or the playoff with Chip Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Luke Fickle, Jim Harbaugh, and Ryan Day. And there's another six coaches who have coached in a New Year's, New Year's Six Bowl, from Bielema to James Franklin to P.J. Fleck to Kirk Ferentz to all the – so you do think this is why – like why do you have expansion and why do you sell your soul to TV? For this, so you can pay coaches a bunch and think you have good coaches. So I do think that's a huge upgrade for the West. I think we are moving towards a divisionless world. I think that's kind of where we're getting – I think USC is still the main thing about that because you can't split up Ohio State and Michigan in opposite divisions. And then who's your big dog? USC will be your big dog. But yes, the West should be better with Luke Fickle and Matt Rule. I think those are both. Well, I think we're headed for Oregon and Washington in the West also. I I think we're headed for further expansion within a couple of years, and that changes everything. If you've got that, who knows what we have. Anyway, Doug, you've been a wonderful guest, but we're out of time. We're out of time. (laughs) Bob, do you have a copy of the home game for him? Doug, so usually, usually you're getting ready. Uh, well, the last two years, I know you, you weren't getting ready, but do you enjoy not going to Indianapolis in the first Saturday in December? Do you, do you, is that something that you really – you got the Big Ten media days out there. If they play Purdue, they play Northwestern on the road. Like, it's, you spent a lot of time in the state of Indiana 
and during the last, you know, seven, eight years? Is it, is it just a joy to not have to go back to that state? So I, it, I'm very lucky that Indianapolis is so close. It has felt like my second home. It's three hours from Columbus, and I yeah. hate that road. I hate that drive. <laughs> I know I that road. It. I hate it. I'm so sick of it. So Doug, is Tom Rapers at the, at the school? Oh my Tom God. Rapers still RV there. still I'm, there? Yeah. I'm eventually going to buy an RV. I'm going to have to buy an RV eventually. <laughs> but I will say in 2016 and last year, I went to the Big Ten Championship game as a fan with my daughter who loves college football. So we loved the Penn State-Wisconsin game. That was great in 2016. And then last year, I was like, eh. Donovan Edwards threw a touchdown pass, but the rest of it was like, eh. But I will say, this is my penance. Ohio State has Ohio State only had four road games this year. Next year, Ohio State has six road games. Three of their six road games next year are in the state of Indiana. So I can't escape it. Hey, so. you, you've got this advantage, buddy. You don't have to fly there, okay? I know. <laughs> I, I don't take it for granted. Because no. anything can happen at that Indianapolis airport, and anything has happened <laughs> to us. Doug, you're a great sport, man. You're a great sport. Thanks for coming on, and I hope you Thanks, guys fellas. enjoy your weekend, and we'll see where we're going soon. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live. Penn